What's up, guys? It's Nick again. Um, Difficult Conversations back. Um, thank y'all for listening to our last episode. Um, you know, as always, I love y'all. I love my fans. Love my. I want to say y'all are fans. I love my audience. I love the people listening to me. I love my supporters. Let me use that. that. So, supporters. Y'all my supporters. Um, you again, awesome people. Um, please. Continue to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, today, I want to give you I want I, two two topics today, two segments. First topic is um, my Dragon Ball Super review, and um, second is why I am tired of Stephen A. Smith. Um, so buckle in, enjoy the ride again. Um, don't be afraid to have a difficult conversation. Okay, so Dragon Ball Super. Um, so if most of y'all who know me know that you know I'm a I'm a huge anime fan. I love anime. You know what I'm saying like. Fairy tale, I love fairy tale. I love Seven Deadly Sins. I'm a mess with Sinbad. Yu Yu Hakusho is one of my favorites of all time. Um, Yu Gi Oh! You know, Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon. I grew up on that shit, you know what I mean? But I think, not even think, I know that my, my favorite anime franchise ever is Dragon Ball. I mean, like, yo, like, I love everything about Dragon Ball. I've watched every episode of Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Super, on top of all the movies, like, I'm a Dragon Ball nerd, bro, like, 100%, you know what I mean, my avi on Twitter for the longest time was, first it was, um, Jiren, or Jiren, if you want to, you know, get the, the Japanese version, then it was, um, Mastered Alter Instinct Goku You know what I'm saying So Yeah And, and my, my my name on Twitter Is Hakaishin You know what I mean It's God of Destruction um, You know I'm, I I love Dragon Ball So Disclaimer So Let me get into this So First with a heavy heart That I say that Um so last night, Saturday night, um, was the last episode of Dragon Ball Super, um, and it's not clear what, I, I personally think that the series has to come back, I mean, it's way too popular and way too successful, um, but who's to say whether it's Super is done, or, and they're gonna bring it back under a new name, or it's taking hiatus and coming back, I think they'll be back by 2019, I think that's when, you know, that we're gonna get I think we'll get a new. I think the dub. No, I, th- I think once the dub catches up, once the dub finishes determined power, we'll have a new series by then, or at least an announcement on a new series. I I, I totally believe that. Um. So what where do I start? Okay, let's start with. Um. Determined power. Specifically, um, I thought 
I thought the determinant power was good. Uh, people don't know, T.O.P. was the last arc in Dragon Ball Super. Um, essentially, what happened was um, Zeno, who was the um, king of the multiverse, um, watched the Universe 6 versus Universe 7 tournament and thought, hey, this is cool. Um, we should do this with all the universes. Um, so they did that, excluding four. Um, so there's 12 universes. No, there's. Yeah, there's 12 universes total. And they excluded, and they excluded four um, because they had high mortal levels. High mortal levels. So it means they were doing their jobs well. So they had an all universe tournament, you know what I mean? So. And the losers would be erased. So if you're so ten fighters from every universe, and once those ten fighters are eliminated, um, that universe would be erased. Um, the winner, the last universe standing, wins the Super Dragon Balls. Um, if and to this day, I really don't. They they just they're just the regular Dragon Balls on steroids I don't think they have any like I don't know what the real difference is but whatever they do super I guess um so yeah that's that's pretty much the synopsis um so the determined power in my opinion um I thought it was a good art I thought I think it so out of the major art so there was a so Dragon Ball Super has to build the uh, start with the Battle of Gods art, then Resurrection F, then it went to um, Universe Six, Universe Seven, the Botafu arc, which is terrible, um, Goku Black arc, and then the Terminator Power arc. Um, and I thought out of all of them, I liked Terminator Power the most. Um, just because it really expanded on the Dragon Ball universe um, really did some cool things in terms of you know um, the parallelism between universes and kind of making like twin universes and pitting gods against each other and all this other stuff so I thought, it was, I thought that was cool um, I thought it was rushed though I definitely think the tournament power arc was rushed I mean introduce some pretty interesting characters like um, Lavenda and Basil um, with the Trio of the Dangers they, they introduce some um, Pride Troopers um, Rubrianne and her crew um, I thought Anilaza could have gotten a lot more shine I, I, like, I don't know how he got beat in one episode um, yeah it, it was just it was, it was just a, a rush job um so for people who don't know, it's, that was because um, Toei was crazy overworked. I mean, they, they're, they're crazy understaffed and crazy overworked. And they were putting out an episode of Super every week for like two years straight, right? Uh, and a lot of people don't know it's about anime. People, people say, oh, why can't they just, is it just drawing? Why can't they just keep drawing? It's like, people don't understand like what goes into like one single frame of an anime episode like 
one second of animation takes can take up to a week of work like a full work like 40 hours for one second of animation right and think about if someone's billing you at $20 an hour right if they're billing if, if, a, if an anime is billing Toei at $20, $20 $30 an hour that adds up that's a lot of money you know I mean it's expensive it is it's expensive to get this stuff out there um so I think we should thank Toei for just them being there to get us an episode a week for two straight years um that, but that's why it was rushed um because staff were just way overworked um So what was rushed? I think that people know Jaren. Jaren was the main antagonist. He wasn't. He wasn't an evil doer. Um, he was in fact a superhero, um, but he was the main antagonist for Goku to beat. Um, I thought his backstory was rushed. I think that we got this whole. Like, we didn't know anything about Jared for the longest time, right? He was completely stoic, like, no emotion, poker face, like, didn't talk. And then, all of a sudden, I think it was, like, episode 126 is when he actually started to show some emotion out of the blue. Like, you saw a smile on his face for, like, the first time ever. Um, and, yeah, we, we just didn't, we just didn't know his motivations, like, you know, like, I, like, we didn't know what the wish what wish he wanted um we didn't know like I still don't know why he's like how or why he got this strong I mean like the, his backstory was like kind of Batman-ish where like his parents and his whole village were killed and you know he was adopted by his trainer and his trainer got killed and you know people who he trained would turn his back on him and all this other stuff like that like, so he had a pretty messed up upbringing but like it was never real it was so surface level the explanation um I still don't know why how he can be this strong I mean Jiren has been toted as the one mortal who is stronger than the gods of destruction right a god of destruction has the ability to literally wipe out the universe in the blink of an eye. Um, they have this energy, it's called Hakai energy, right? And what Hakai energy does is literally disintegrates, it disintegrates matter. Like, it's it, whatever it comes into contact with turns into dust, right? Um, if you want to see Hakai energy in action, definitely check out Dragon Ball Super episode 125 right um, this is when we see you know Topo who was a candidate for God Destruction who knows if he still is actually used the Hakai energy and it's it's totally OP like you know what I mean it's, it's, it's crazy how strong this stuff is and Jiren is stronger than that right Jiren is strong enough to transcend time if you if you watch, um, I forget what episode it was, but episode number, but hit um, and hit hit was universe six's strongest character, um, and his whole thing is he can 
he can manipulate time, right? He uses this thing called a time skip, where you can literally skip a fraction of a second in time to take his opponents out. And you might think, you know, a fraction of a second, that's not a lot of time, but like, Dragon Ball characters are moving at the speed of light, at least in combat, right? And that fraction of a second makes a world of difference. You know what I mean? Um, so what he did against Jiren was he used his time skip so many times he was able to store enough time to lock him in a time cage. Right? So he's li- so Jiren's literally bound, bounded by time, um, the fourth dimension, right? Like some crazy OP stuff. You know what I mean? Like bounded by the concept of time, and Jiren somehow broke out of that. So Jiren's power transcends an entire dimension which is crazy, right? So you get an idea of how strong Jiren was. Super unfortunately, never explained how the hell he got that strong. I still have no idea. I don't know. Like, and, and I want to know. I want to, because it has to be a thing, right? It's not like, I mean, I feel like with every character, right? Like, every... Uh, but we know why Freeze was so strong, right? Because he was naturally gifted. Like he was just a naturally gifted brat, spoiled, you know, kid who was gifted all his power. We know why Cell was so strong because Cell was a combination of Frieza and Goku and Vegeta and all these other things. I mean, Cell was like an amalgamation of all the strongest warriors up until that point. We know why Majin Buu was so strong because Majin Buu is a is is a manifestation of pure negative energy right um and he's a magical being you know so we, we know why these characters are so strong um even in in super i mean in super the first in super the the the, the the first original villain, right, we saw was, you know, Goku Black is an awesome movie. Um, the reason why they are so strong was because Black, because they're, they're gods, you know what I mean? Like, they have that level of power because they're deities, you know? We don't know why Jiren is so strong, and I want to know, you know what I mean? Like, that, that bugs me, and I'm like, I want to know the origin of his strength, not his backstory, but why he got, how he got this powerful, because it couldn't be through strength training, you know? So there's that. Um, I thought they missed an opportunity. Um, I thought term, determinative power introducing, introducing, you know, all these universes, right? Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, they there's a major component of the Dragon Ball franchise is GT and the movies, right? Neither of them are canon. What does canon mean? Canon means they're not part of the original story, right? They don't fit within the original timeline. Um, so it, it, the best comparison I can make to that would be like X-Men, where Days of Future, where Days of Future Past kind of rewrote, not kind of, it did rewrite the whole X-Men franchise, um, it, 
then made X1, X2, X3 not it uncanonized them for lack of a better word um, because they, they, they are now not part of the main timeline you know um, so that's kind of what GT and the movies are and I thought with Terminal Power they really could have integrated those as another universe right um, like one of one of the universes could have been a universe where Goku never never where Beerus never woke or, or the god destruction never interfered and um, Goku instead of achieving Super Saiyan God he achieved Super Saiyan 4 Terminative power, um, stuff like that really, um, re- really were just missed opportunities. Um, even with the movies, right? The, like a lot of a lot of Dragon Ball fans don't know this, but Broly, who is a very popular Dragon Ball character, is not canon. Broly technically does not exist in the main timeline of Dragon Ball. Like they don't know what Broly is. Like Broly never came about. Um, same with Android, like Android 13, and Bojack, and uh, who else? Janemba is another one. Lord Slug, Turles. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Gogeta. A lot of fan favorites, right? Are not. They do not fit within the scope of the of the main timeline. They're you know what if stories, for lack of a better term. And um, so there's that. And if they and if they incorporated right those stories into super I feel like it could have I feel like they could have blown the terminal power out the water like it was such a fan um it would have been complete fan service right but it would have been awesome to see Super Saiyan God Goku versus Super Saiyan 4 Goku because the big thing is which one's stronger because if you watch Dragon Ball GT Super Saiyan 4 super overpowered you know what I mean to the level of Super Saiyan God, right? Um, you know, even still, what they, they could have made Omega Shenron a god of destruction. You know what I mean? Um, it made, like, I don't know, um, Ice Shenron or, or Nova Shenron uh, is one of his attendants. Um, so I feel like that that's a major knock on power in terms of what it could have been um and again who knows if and I don't think they will I don't think Toy has any plans of um of incorporating GT or the movies into Super or to the main timeline but I mean they missed the phenomenal opportunity to do so but my this is my personal opinion um, so that's the, that's the, the, the arc itself. Um, 
good artist with some pacing issues and writing issues. I thought the animation overall was pretty good. I thought there was a ton of reuse animation. Um, but honestly, I'd rather reuse animation than shitty animation. Like, go watch like episode 5 of Dragon Ball Super if you want to see shitty animation. Like, that, it, it was beyond terrible. Like, it made me want to puke, you know, whoever was drawing that. God bless you, sir, or madam, but you suck, so, <laughs> and, you know, I mean that affectionately, um, so, super as a whole, right, at first, I was like, this might be better than Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, at least, um, in certain ways it was, and obviously in some aspects the animation was obviously better, I mean you're comparing modern day animation to you know, 1990s animation, so obviously it's a little bit better, substantially better actually, I thought, I thought what Super did great one, one of the best things about Super, right, was it definitely gave that nostalgic feel, right? Like, so many scenes reminded me of Dragon Ball. Like, there was callbacks to the Tree of Might and to um, um, Fusion Reborn, callbacks to when Vegeta first fought Goku, oh, and um, Frieza blew Namek up. Um, there were so many callbacks, which I thought was dope. Um, so did a real good job of capturing that, right? Whereas Z obviously couldn't because these are callbacks to Z. Um, it's not a knock on Z, it's just, you know, a good thing that Super did. I thought the writing in Z was definitely better, um, mainly because it was a lot more consistent. I feel like it's a a knock against Dragon Ball Super was the lack of its overall consistency in writing. Like, one episode, like, especially in Terminal Power, like, I remember there was one episode where where Beerus, who was a god of destruction of Universe 7, literally says, uh, hey, Vegeta blew himself up, and even though he's not dead, he has literally no energy left. Like, and that's why he lost his, you know, Super Saiyan God Evolution form. Next episode, he goes Super Saiyan God Evolution, and it's like, dude, I thought he had no power left, and and it looks like he's fighting at full capacity. Um, stuff like that, like, um, a lot of things weren't explained too, like. Like I just mentioned, the um, the Jaren thing, and how we have no idea why he's as strong as he is. Um, one of the biggest things that really upset me was in the, the Goku Black arc, right? Future Trunks got this crazy transformation, right? Um, it has a, a spirit sword type thing. I mean, like, if you, if for any of my Yu Yu Hakusho fans out there, y'all know 
the spirit sword is. Shout out to Kulbara. You know what I'm saying? Um, he gets that. Rips, rips Zamasu apart, right? It's super, like, super OP. And it wasn't even explained what that form was. Like, I don't know. We, we, we didn't get it. The name is called, apparently, Super Saiyan Rage. Um, but it wasn't explained in the series. We didn't get that name until months later. We don't know if there are any special abilities. We don't know um, what kind of... We don't know what it can do, how powerful it is, just opposed to Super Saiyan Blue. We don't know whether it's even a god form like this trunks now have god key like none of that was even explained right um so i thought in, in that in those sort of aspects um super definitely dropped the ball at least in the explanation department um what else let's see so that animation that writing um yeah, I mean, I thought the voice acting was good and super. I, I had no complaints with it. I thought the voice, voice acting was phenomenal. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing bad to say about that. Um, one thing I will say about Super is that there was a lot of good character development. I, as much as Vegeta had developed from the start of Z to the end of Z, I feel like he developed just as much during Super, you know, um, and I love it, I love to see Vegeta's continued evolution from a bad guy to, you know, um, a bad guy who's willing to work with bad guys, just a good guy who's a dick, to a good guy who's a kind of a right guy, took a, took a really virtuous person, I mean, the guy, um, essentially blew himself up to save his universe, um, he humiliated himself so many times. I mean, people in forever. Everybody knows Vegeta. Vegeta is the most prideful person in Dragon Ball. I mean, he he always talks about his Saiyan pride, and the amount of times he's embarrassed. I mean, he embarrassed himself in front of Beerus. Um, he embarrassed himself taking the ass whooping at the hand of Jiren. You know, he's 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 done. He's exceeded my expectation of what he's willing to do for the people he actually cares about. Um, You can tell he truly cares. Um, So it's that, and I think I think Frieza also had a ton of character development. I mean. Spoiler alert, but Frieza and Goku actually fight together against Jiren at the, in the last episode. Like when, 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 right? Did you ever think that Frieza and Goku would be fighting together for any reason? Like Frieza hates Goku, but Frieza also you can tell has grown to have a profound respect for Goku. A 
although he despises him and what Goku stands for, you can tell Freezer truly respects him. Like, and that's going a long way because, you know, Freezer doesn't respect a lot of people, but he really respects Goku, and you can tell. And I, I, I love that. You know, I, I love that development and how Goku is just kind of a magnet for bringing the good out of even the worst of people. I mean, look at he's he's like that makes what five characters, six, right? So I've always seen fighters, right? Piccolo was once an enemy. Vegeta was once an enemy. Vegeta was once an enemy. Frieza was once an enemy. Both the androids, seventeen and eighteen, were once enemies. Frieza was was once an enemy. And Majin Buu is what's enemy. Right. And Goku has brought the good out of all of them. And I think that's what we really want to take from Supers that Goku just has this light about him. And even Bears, who wasn't necessarily an enemy, turned he turned into a friend. Jiren, right? Fight to Jiren. Jiren has profound respect for Goku now. After prior to determining the power, Jiren, Jiren probably wouldn't even spit in Goku's direction. And now you can argue that Jiren, that's you can argue that Goku is probably his first friend. You know. And this is a guy who doesn't trust anybody. Um just so I thought the character the character development in Super was awesome. They really know how to, you know, shift from super really a good job of making meaningful shifts, right, in tone and character for certain for certain people, and I really appreciate that. So for the future, um, future predictions with Dragon Ball, I. So let's start by saying this. So, if you watch the last episode, Goku will tell Vegeta, right? Um, you know, I, I I don't know how to access Ultra Instinct. Like I just got it by accident. Like that wasn't something that was planned. Like I I have I had no idea what that was. You know. Um. Which I thought was was interesting, right? Because Toy had marketed this as mastered ultra instinct, right? This is Go- Goku's mastered ultra instinct form. It's like, well, if you master it, you should be able to tap into it any time. If you can't do that, you haven't mastered it. Um, which is why going forward, I probably will call it completed alternates thing. I like that term. Completed. The form is complete now. Um, but it's not mastered, right? Um, yeah, man. Like I, I like like that really bugged me, but the fact that they were able because now, right? Now that Goku, it's no Goku can't just because I think this is the first form that 
that's ever happened to. I feel like with all these other forms, like God, as soon as he tapped into God, he can do that well. Um, blue, Super Saiyan 3, Super Saiyan 4, like no matter what form Goku has, once he can get to it once, he learns and can tap into it over and over and over again. Um, I think UI is the first form where he can't do that. Like this, like he's like, I don't know how to get to that again. Um, you just you're just backed into a corner. Um, but anyway, but like I was saying, I, I like it from the standpoint of one, it definitely scales Goku down, right? Because I mean, this was built to be Goku's ultimate form. Like, you know, you can't get stronger than this. Like, this this is it. Like, this is this is all you got. This is this is the ultimate form. You know what I mean? Mastered Ultra or completed Ultra Instinct. Um yeah, they scaled him down, right? And um this gives characters like Cheetah and Gohan and I might do this another another segment um but gohan really gohan really pissed me off in, in super but that's a topic for another day um, but let's give characters like vegeta and gohan a chance to catch up right um this makes hit relevant again because i don't see how hit would have been relevant had ultra instinct been like an actual thing because um, Hit was getting worked by Dispo. You know what I mean? Um, like, if, if Dispo was putting up a fight against Hit, Hit couldn't he'll hold a candle to Ultimates to Goku. So I'm happy that they did that for that reason. And truthfully, right now, one can make a case that Vegeta's Vegeta right now is stronger than Goku is because Go- Vegeta has a Super Saiyan God evolution form, right? Um, which looks to be more powerful than Goku's Kaioken Blue form. So, in a way, Vegeta's stronger than, than Goku, and this gives Vegeta a chance to, and who knows, maybe Vegeta will master it first. Maybe Vegeta will actually master this form. Master uh, Ultra Instinct and, and, and said that and said that you know in the, trage- in the trajectory they're both on Goku's gonna become an angel and Vegeta's gonna become a god of destruction I mean I can see them ending I can see them ending the um the, the Goku Vegeta story like that in order to bring in the next generation of Dragon Ball, um, but I don't see that. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, so, proje- so projected for the future. Also, there's there's a movie coming out um, December 2018. So definitely check that out. It's supposed to be. Um, it's supposed to be explain the origin of Saiyan power so it's gonna be some ancient Saiyan who they're gonna fight um it's supposed to be pretty cool really hyped up movie just people like toys got all hands on deck for this 
Um, so this is going to be like a real big thing. So I'm excited for it. And it's supposed to spearhead the next arc. You know, so I would not be surprised if sometime, like first quarter of 2019, we get, if not a series, at least an announcement of a new series. You know, so Dragon Ball Super fans definitely didn't look up for that. Um, so yeah, all in all, just wrapping this up, I'd like to honestly thank Toei. Um, y'all really brought the Dragon Ball community back together again um, because I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I enjoy the movies I enjoy the games I enjoy all that, but you know, nothing brings a community together like an anime you know, and, and although Super wasn't perfect at times it sucked um, in all of it, in, in totality it was good and it brought back memories of, you know, me being up at 10 on a, on a Saturday night to watch Toonami, you know, uh-huh. so I definitely have to thank you for that, and I hope moving forward, um, I just hope for the next series that you guys really plan, have a, have a legitimate plan that you you know, pace the series, um, well, even if you gotta break it up into legitimate seasons, or, you know, do like a streaming only type thing, or you don't even give, or give us an episode every two weeks instead of every week, you know, something to that effect, um, but definitely work, because, I mean, Dragon Ball Super could have been so much more. Appreciate y'all. You guys are great. Akira, keep doing your thing. Um, can't wait for the can't wait to see what the future has in store for Super. So. Alright, next segment. Alright, so why I'm tired of Stephen A. Smith and you know, excuse me guys and on the road right now, I'm on my way to work, so excuse the background noise if there is any. Um, but uh, let me start by saying I used to be a huge first take fan, man. When it was, when it was skipping Stephen A, Carry Champion, I thought that's when the show was at its best. Um, they had real meaningful debates. It didn't feel like, you know, things were. Um, what's the word for it? It didn't, it didn't feel things were staged, you know what I mean? It, it felt like everything was authentic. Well, most of it was authentic. Um, so, I guess a little history first take. Um, so, it started with Skip Bayless, and then he had just random guests, and that's when Stephen A. Smith became, like, a regular on the show. And he ended up becoming a co-host. Um, a couple years back, ESPN didn't want to pay Skip Bayless the money that, you know, Skip Bayless thought he deserved. So he up and left, went to FS1. Um, it was on a new debate show called Undisputed with Shannon Sharp. Uh, took a lot of people with him. Um, Rob Parker, Doug Gottlieb, Chris Carter, uh, Chris Broussard, uh, 
Mark Suarez left. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people left. Yes, Ray Lewis left. Um, Colin Cowherd, I think he left before. I think he left before Skip. Um, but I mean, Skip took a lot of people out the door with him. Um, so we kind of brought all those people to FS1, which is ESPN's biggest rival right now. Um, so yeah. So uh, once once um, Skip left, Stephen A. became the quote-unquote star of the show. Um, him and Max Kelly have been going at ever since. So let, let, let me tell y'all why I can't stand Stephen A. Smith. One, one, one is the yelling. You know what I mean? Like, Stephen A. Smith just yells for the sake of yelling. He might be the loudest man I've ever I've, I've ever seen. Like, just, just on a decibel level. Dude really be killing my eardrums, man, with all the yelling. And it's and it's unnecessary yelling. It's not like it's like, oh, we having fun joking around. It's like they'll just be they'll, they'll, a top will come up like, oh, do you think the Cavs are gonna win tonight? And Stephen A. Smith will go off like LeBron I'm like I'm like, yo, like you know I mean, like chill chill the fuck out. Like, you know, like calm down. And I get it, like you know what I'm saying. That's his persona on TV. He's supposed to be that loud and like you know loud dude, I guess. You know the funny black guy. He's the same on his radio show. If you listen to his radio show, he just screams, literally screaming. He's not like he's not, he's like ESPN's. He's like the sports talk version of Meek Mill. You know what I mean? Just yelling for no no reason. It doesn't add anything to the show. You know I mean, if anything, it attracts people because it's like, dude, just, just speak. Like, you're, you're just smart. You're an intelligent black man in America. You can just speak. You don't got to, like, yell. You know what I mean? That's what, re- that's, that's, that's what really started turning out to Stephen A. Smith. Um, but I can get over that. You know what I mean? I can get over that. I listen to Meek Mill, even though Meek Mill be yelling all the time. You know, like, I still listen to him, you know, because um, for, for, the, for the message, not, you know, the delivery. So... But another thing that really gets to my nerves is, is, is Stephen A's takes as a general. It's in, I mean, in, I mean, in general. Um, so I mean, like going back to a couple months ago, this was the start of the NBA season. Um, this is right, they were talking. I remember the debate was about you know the Cavs and what's going on with them and how J.R. Smith you know looked super sad on the bench with his hoodie on. This dude, Trayvon, this dude, um, Stephen A. Smith tried to compare J.R. Smith to Trayvon Martin solely because he had a hoodie on on the bench. I'm sorry, but that's low-key kind of disrespectful and offensive, bro. Like, Trayvon Martin, like, he said that J.R. Smith doing that remind people of second coming to Trayvon Martin as if that's some sort of joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, black, black people, right... We as a whole have um, PTSD from our current living situations as a people, um, you know, as well as ancestral PTSD. You know, I'm saying things our ancestors witnessed that passed down through us genetically, you know, still haunt us to this day. You know what I mean? I was I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I told him my ancestral ancestral PTSD is a reason why I'm not a dog person because the amount of times dogs were sicked on black people the amount of times um, you know 
we were looked at as inferior to canines, you know what I'm saying, during the, during the civil rights and Jim Crow eras, you know what I'm saying, so that's why I have ancestral PTSD, like, a dog is not, like, I've never been bit by a dog, I've, like, I've never, like, I've been chased a couple of times, but, like, nothing crazy, um, but that's why, it's my ancestral PTSD from that, you know what I mean, so I do believe that's a thing, and Stephen A. Smith is not sensitive to that at all, it's like, it's like, dude, how does that remind you of a little black boy who was killed, um, Oh, sorry about that. It's got some notifications. Um, how, do, how does how does J.R. Smith on the bench remind you of a little black boy who was killed in cold blood at the hands of some vigilante, some racist vigilante, who who couldn't rec- who who couldn't distinguish an actual criminal? From a kid just going to get Skittles at the at the at the um, corner store, you know what I mean? Like, how does that remind you? Like, you know, like no one's gonna be reminded of Trayvon Martin when they see JR because he's a black man with a hoodie. Come on now, dude! Like, you're reaching, you are reaching, Stephen A. Like, you know what I mean? He reaching so hard, he dislocated some shit. You know what I mean? Like, stop doing that, man. This is hot takes on Black America in general. I remember what I was watching first take over the weekend, I'm saying the recorded version, and Stephen A. Smith up here saying that Colin Kaepernick enjoys this, and you know, he wants to be a martyr, and he has he doesn't want to come back to the NFL, are you kidding me, have you, Stephen A., have you talked to Colin, have you have a, have you had a conversation with the man, you know what I mean, have you set, have you picked up the phone and called Colin, and said, hey Colin, What's your mindset at right now? What do you want out of this? Do you really want to come back to the NFL? He said, Colin Kaepernick has said on multiple occasions, right, that he wants to play football in the National Football League. Numerous occasions he said that. Not, like, more than once he said that. And so that. So that's that's unequivocal. You know what I mean? That's unambiguous. You know, that that is clear. It's clear as day. You know what I mean? He's been working out like crazy. He's even sued the national. He sued the National Football League, man. Why would if he didn't want to come back into the NFL? Why would he sue the NFL? You know what I mean, and you can argue, you can make an argument that his methods aren't the best, and he's not taking the easiest route to get back into the league, which is fair. I would not argue that with you. But to say he doesn't want to play and he'd rather be a martyr? Come on, dude. You're acting like people can't be activists and athletes. Um, Look at Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Look at Jim Brown. Come on, man. Like, I'm not comparing Colin Kaepernick to any one of those dudes. But he's a modern-day version of that. You know what I'm saying? A guy... Who is not afraid to to stand up for what he believes in, and we sh- and we should honestly and Colin Kaepernick should be applauded for that. He's teaching our young boys and girls, especially our, our young black boys and girls, that you put your foot down and you stand up for what you believe in. You stand up for what's right. You know what I'm saying? In the face of all that, like Colin Kaepernick jeopardized millions of dollars, right? 
and he's getting flack from people like Stephen A. Stephen A, what are you doing to uplift? What what are you doing to uplift black people as opposed to giving t- taking money for keynote speeches? You know what I'm saying? Like in the words of Dr. Umar, right? Dr. Umar said this about Michael Eric Dyson. It's like it's like you're an intellectual whore. You know what I'm saying? Like you're an intellectual whore. Right? Like all you're doing is preaching. Like you no, know, speaking and writing books doesn't change the plight of black America. What Colin Kaepernick is doing, substantive change, giving money back to the community. That is what changes black America, Stephen A. What you are doing does nothing. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? So bow before a king, man. Straight up. Stephen A. Smith, I say this with affection because I love you, man. From the day you a black man, and I support everything and everybody black. But bow before a king, sir. Bow. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy, man. Like, on top of the fact that he out here taking pictures with Sheriff David Clark, probably the biggest coon. You know what I'm saying on on planet Earth, um, a dude who said Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group and police brutality doesn't exist in America, right? This is the same dude who went on national TV and has said those things, right? Um, a dude who's been on Sean Hannity's show numerous times, right? Calls Sean Hannity a friend. Like, I, like, here's the thing. And I'm not really coming at his political views because Stephen A. Smith can believe whatever the fuck he wants to believe. You know what I'm saying? Believe what you want to believe, Stephen A. Go, at, go right on ahead. But don't act like you speak for the black community when you do so, right? When you have these um, um, right-wing, you know, Republican views... You know what I'm saying? That's cool. Be you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get on Jason Whitlock for that because Jason Whitlock is him. You know what I'm saying? He does him and he doesn't act like he speaks for... He'll tell you, Shrev, I don't speak for the black community. You know what I'm saying? Just, I can only speak for myself. And I respect that out of Jason Whitlock. You know what I mean? As much as I disagree with his political views, I respect the fact that he is self-aware enough to know that his views do not reflect the views of the black community as a whole. You know what I'm saying? And I need Stephen A. Smith to take that up. I need Stephen A. Smith to really, really come out and be like, yo, I believe what I believe, right? And I don't speak for the black community. You know what I'm saying? Because he does that all the time, man. Like, always, oh, us as black men and, you know, us as black people, black people feel this and black people feel this way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, what? who died and made you spokesman for black America, bro? Seriously, Stephen A. Seriously. Because I'll tell you, at the very least, as a black man, you don't represent me. I think a lot differently from you, Stephen A. You don't represent me, man. You don't. You know, when it comes to Colin Kaepernick's protests, when it comes to... Um, the plight of um, um, black athletes in America and social issues in regards to police brutality and all that stuff. You don't represent me, man. Stephen A. Smith habitually 
habitually, man, habitually towing the line. Know what I'm saying, just on the fence all the time. He gets on Max Kellerman. He gets on Max Kellerman for this all the time. But he is the main culprit of it when it comes to social issues. Because he's the type of person who will say, "Oh, I hate the way the president's behaving. He's been up a child." Blah blah blah. blah. And the same, in the same time, you'll be like, "Well, we have to respect him because he's a president." No, we don't have to respect him because he's a president. I do not have to respect Donald Trump because he's a, he's the president. I don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, Donald Trump is a grown-ass man. And I do not have to respect a grown-ass man if that grown-ass man does not warrant my respect. You know what I mean? I don't give a damn who he is. And I would say the same thing about Barack Obama. Barack Obama didn't deserve my respect, so he don't get my respect. As a president, at least. As a man, I respect Barack Obama. But as a president, you know what I mean? Like, I have my issues with him. And I don't respect him for that. Stop towing the line. Take a hard stance. This is why I really mess with um, um, Shay Sharp. Because Shannon Sharp I'm on Undisputed really taking stance on these issues, man. Really taking a hard-nosed stance. Be like, yo, this is what I believe. This is where I'm coming from. And I feel like Shannon Sharp better represents black America than Stephen A. Smith does. I do. I really do feel that way. And, and I know a lot of black people do feel that way as well. Shannon Sharp is a better representation of black America than Stephen A. Smith is. I am tired of Stephen A. Smith, man. I really am. Your views are your own, bro. You don't represent black America. So stop doing that, man. And I say this from a place of love and admiration because you're a successful black man. You know what I mean? You grew up hard. You grew up poor. You know what I'm saying? You grew up with a, with a single mom. Like I, like, I get that and I respect you for that. You know what I mean? I respect your plight. I respect what you did as a black man. But you are not bringing any black men or black women along with you, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, like LeVar said, no, seriously, seriously, LeVar, LeVar, LeVar Ball said this, right? He said, you know, how come Stephen A ain't, you know, trying to get no little black boys and black girls into sports, into sports radio? He's got the money for it. Why isn't he spearheading initiatives, right, to get more representation among black people in sports media? Why isn't Stephen A doing that? Explain that to me, man. I don't get that. You got the money for it, Steven. You got the money for it. You got the platform. You know what I mean? You claim you're all about your ratings. You know what I'm saying? You're the reason why First Take is, is so highly rated. So do that, man. Put other people on. Put other people on. You are not the only person out here, man. And I challenge Shannon Sharp to do that, too. As much as I mess with Shay Sharp, I challenge him to do that too. Because I don't think he's doing it either. Bring people along with you for the ride, bro. You open the door and I push people through that door. You know? Do what Stuart Scott did. Do what Stuart, do what Stuart Scott did and brought black people along with him through that door. Rest in peace, Stuart Scott. Man, 
in conclusion. I love Stephen A. Smith, man. I do. I love what he brings to the table. I love his insights. I don't love the way he yells all the time. And I don't love his takes a lot of the time. But at the very end of the day, we can't deny that he's a successful black man in sports, journalism, and media. And you can do so much better, Stephen A. And I'm tired of being tired of you. I am. I'm sick and tired of being tired of Stephen A. Smith. You know, I really am sick and tired of it, so. (sighs) That being said, in in rant. (laughs) Alright guys, that's it for tonight. It's Difficult Conversations. Um, Thank y'all for listening again. Um, Appreciate all my supporters and everything. Um, Guys mean a lot to me. and Continuing to put out content. You know what I'm saying? Um, if anyone has any topics they like me to discuss, like I always say, just link me. Let me know if you want to be a guest on this podcast. Link me. Let me know. Um, you know, that's all I got to say for that. So thank y'all again. Have a good night and um, enjoy this episode. Difficult conversation signing off.